0: Hi there and welcome to Be a Global Citizen, the podcast that explores the concept of global citizenship through the lens of value creating education. My name is Scott Bauer and I'm a Soka researcher and educator. I hope you find the discussions, stories and insights on this podcast to be valuable and inspiring as we strive to become global citizens who are committed to living a contributive life. On the episode today, another installment of GC Talks, I'm very excited to welcome Paulette Bethel. She is a former ambassador to the United Nations. She's a resident of the Bahamas. She's had a very decorated and successful uh, career within the United Nations, within the international arena, uh, as well as within uh, higher education and university. But her story is just really amazing and inspiring one of pioneering and opening up new pathways for future global citizens and I think it's really um, special to have her be sharing her experiences on the one-year anniversary of this podcast, very significant. So please enjoy and we'll get right into the episode.
1: Hello, good afternoon. My name is Paulette Bethel. Um, I'm from the Bahamas, which is where I currently live. Uh, I, it's a beautiful archipelago. Uh, we are here, and uh, I'm happy to be in contact with you, Scott.
0: Hi, Paulette. So thank you so much. Um, I, I, I really appreciate, right, you sharing a little bit more about, uh, you know, the Bahamas, where you come from. Right. Sometimes this association of like these tropical islands, like people don't necessarily locate it on the map too well, but I think you did a fantastic job. And, uh, you know, for myself, I still have yet to visit the Bahamas, but I can only imagine it's it's probably, you know, such a beautiful place. I hope I hope the weather is, is well. Is it, is it kind of hot over there? Or?
1: Well, actually, you know, um, the weather today is absolutely glorious. It couldn't be nicer. Mm-hmm. Low humidity, lovely breeze, lots of sun, but, uh, you know, this isn't always the way, as you know. Uh, Yesterday and the day before, we had lots and lots of rain, but um, it's obviously cleared the air. And then, as you also probably know, we're in the hurricane belt. So, you know, hurricanes are very much a threat for us that uh, we um, take very seriously because we've had some very serious hurricanes. And uh, hurricane season uh, runs from the beginning of June until the end of November. So we're in our last few weeks of hurricane season. This year, we've been very, very fortunate uh, in that we've had, we haven't had um, any serious hurricanes that have hit the Bahamas this year. So we consider ourselves very fortunate to have um, you know, dodged that bullet, so to speak. We're just off the coast of Florida, actually. That's where the mm. archipelago begins. Uh, and, uh, you know, the archipelago is um, some 700 islands, islets and keys and spread all over the Atlantic Ocean, um, going in a southeasterly direction from Florida. So, uh, yeah, so it's not so far north, quite frankly, but, you know, the weather's lovely. Um, all year round, basically, we have good weather. Uh, sometimes it can be intensely hot um, during the summer months, but um, you know, it's usually, the sun is usually shining, and uh,
0: the tourists love it. So, of course. Yeah. Well, before you mentioned the hurricanes, I was thinking to myself, "Oh, like this sounds more like a promotional video for 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 coming to the Bahamas. You know, <laughs> beautiful weather, eh, glorious. You know, but
1: you're always you're always welcome any time of year."
0: Oh, thank you, Paulette. Yeah, Yeah, and then mentioning uh, Florida, I think that helps that much better to kind of locate, oh, okay, we're talking off the coast of Florida. Yeah. Um, That makes sense. Um, But yeah, so thank you so much uh, for for joining us. It's really exciting to have you here. And, um, you know, we've been friends for for a number of years, like, since the SUA days. Um, Yes. And yeah, I, I, I wanted to first... Ask you a question regarding your professional background. And there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack.
1: Mm. Um,
0: but I, I really wanted to, you know, allow you to kind of take us on maybe a few stopping points on this journey that you've been on. And, you know, it's taken you around the world. And you've worked on the international level for many years. You have a tremendous experience, uh, particularly in the United Nations. And I, I just kind of wanted to hear maybe from like your first exposure going abroad, you, know, you can mention a little bit about your educational background and then how that maybe ties into the the first steps and then kind of the, the career path that you chose.
1: Sure, thank you, great. Um, as you say, um, it has been quite a journey uh, and it's been a wonderful journey for me in many, many ways. Of course, it's also had its um, you know downside, but um, I, you know, as a child, um, my father, uh, who was very forward-looking, in many ways he was a feminist before it was even a coined term, Uh, he decided that um, his um, female children, and there are four of us, would have um, the best education possible. Um, So he um, sent us off to Canada for school, and uh, we as young girls went to, boarding schools in Canada, private board, girls boarding schools in Canada. And um, the boys, three, uh, their three siblings who boys, none of them were sent abroad. My father um, chose to focus on his female daughters to make sure that, as I said, we got the best education possible. I'm told that he said at some point that um, You know a man could always make it in this world but a woman needs a good education so that was his mission in terms of his uh, daughters so uh, having gone to school in Canada I uh, did my uh, high school studies there as well as my undergraduate studies and um, then I moved to the United States where I pursued um, a master's and a PhD program in the United States Having um, graduated, uh, I then came back home, started in um, academia, taught at the College of the Bahamas for a few years, and then um, I moved abroad to the United States again, and it was there that I really started, um, pursued, and became interested in in the international arena. While I was in uh, New York, I actually applied to the United Nations And the reason I applied to the United Nations was very simple. As a visitor in New York, um, I needed and wanted to work. And I couldn't do that on a visitor's visa. And the United Nations uh, would have allowed me the opportunity to work legally. So I applied to the United Nations, and um, the timing was good. Everything was perfect. And uh, I was offered a position, and uh, then I was told that the position would be in Vienna, Austria. And so that was wonderful. So I went to Vienna, Austria to take up my position at the United Nations, and that was really the beginning of my career in the international arena. So uh, after um, a three-year stint there, uh, I then came back to the Bahamas, where uh, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs um, took me on as a... um, as a foreign diplomatic officer, a foreign officer, a diplomatic officer. And uh, they uh, then, in turn, sent me to New York to the United Nations to represent the Bahamas um, at the United Nations in New York. And that was a wonderful experience as well. But as you know, um, we, as diplomats and foreign service officers, we move around to different embassies and missions. So after that, I was then posted to um, the mission, not the mission rather, but to the embassy in Washington, DC, which also served as the permanent mission to the OAS, which is the Organization of American States, which is um, somewhat like a mini UN, but it um, only involves the countries of North and South America and the Caribbean. So, uh you know, I, once again, great experience. Uh, at one point, I actually went to the other side of the table um, at the OAS, and I took on a position as the director of the Department of Fellowships at the OAS and uh, became the first, um, you know Bohemian to hold a senior level position in that organization. And uh, so my career um, in the international arena just grew and grew and grew. There was an interim period where I um, came home again to the Bahamas. And then I worked in the private sector for approximately six years. After that, uh, I was then appointed as um, ambassador uh, to the United Nations in 2003. And I had the unbelievable good fortune to serve in that capacity for 10 years, which is quite unprecedented. And uh, yes, um, and I really, really enjoyed that. And as you can imagine, um, I really got to know the United Nations over that period of time and uh, had many wonderful experiences. Uh, Everything from, you know, starting up a, uh, which I say, a networking group for um young female diplomats because it became very clear that um you know the United when I got there um there were only eight female ambassadors um all and out of 193 countries, only three had female ambassadors only eight had female ambassadors. So uh
0: That's you know, crazy yeah I feel it, like this connects to what your your father said about like,
1: Uh, focusing
0: on women education, because the men will figure it out later. They have so many more things that open up naturally. And that's so explicit in in that example of ambassadors. Wow. It is. It really is. I'm Um, shocked and not shocked, which is really sad because it shouldn't be that way.
1: I know. Um, And, you know, the growth actually um, has been quite it hasn't it's still going on at a snail's pace. Um, I think there. um, the last time I checked, which was a few months ago, um, there were 50 odd, I think, female ambassadors still out of 193. But, uh, you know, things are changing slowly but surely. So uh, I I noticed in my capacity as one of the few female ambassadors that many of the um, supporting diplomats for all of the ambassadors were all female. But they had because there were so few female ambassadors, they had no real role models. So what I did with um, two other, um, two of the other th- uh, female ambassadors was we started a networking group for these um, young women diplomats who were there um, serving in junior positions, so that we could interact with them because they seldom got the opportunity to interact with us. And uh, we had regular um, get-togethers where we would invite them and you know just very informally, just have a chance to chat with them and just, you know, expose ourselves to them and uh, of course learn about them and what their aspirations, hopes and dreams were. So that was one of my many, many experiences on there. I also had the opportunity, which was also rare, to um, co-chair the um, ad hoc committee on the the Security Council, the reform of the Security Councils to be exact. And that is one of the uh, more, uh, what should I say, it is one of the more, not only um, prestigious in many ways, but it's also one of the more contentious, (laughs) that's probably the best word, um, committees at the UN, because uh, as you can well imagine, um, reform of the Security Council is not an easy thing to do. Um, The five permanent members, are not interested at all in being reformed and uh, in having reform of the Security Council rather. And, uh, you know, so, and of course the other member states are all very keen on making the Security Council more representative of the wider body. The Security Council, as you know, was um, you know created with the charter um, back in 1945, and it most certainly doesn't reflect the geopolitical realities of today. So I had the opportunity to um, chair co-chair that for two years, which was quite an experience. And then another um, one of my really um, uh, one of the experiences that I really remember well is the um, opportunity I had to go to post-conflict Liberia, where I headed up a um, delegation of representatives from some of the agencies at the United Nations, the UNICEF, for instance, um, the uh, UNDP, the World Food Program. And so there were representatives from all of these um, agencies at the UN. And we went to post-conflict Liberia to really look at the situation on the ground. And of course, to um, see what recommendations we could make in terms of, you know, appropriately and um, meaningfully assist with what the government was trying to do in that post-conflict kind of situation. It was a great eye-opener. Um, it was very sad, as you can imagine. Uh, people were starving. I mean, there, was, you know, there were many things that were not right at the time um, because of the um, conflict that had in, um, enveloped the country, the Civil War, prior to that. Um, Ellen Johnson Sirleaf was the first female president um, of that country and she I think she was the first female president of any of the African countries at that point in time so I had to, you know the opportunity to meet with her and on um, discuss her country situation at that point but um, you know so those are I've had wonderful wonderful experiences in my uh, position as um, permanent representative uh, ambassador to the United Nations. And uh, then subsequent to, uh, in, yeah, subsequent to that, um, I was also um, privileged to serve as the um, chef de cabinet for the 68th president of the General Assembly. And then two years later, I served as a special advisor to the 70th president of the General Assembly. So, you know, I've made my rounds on both sides of the table at the United Nations. Um, since um, my last um, stint at the United Nations, I have been a consultant in international affairs with um, a private um, consultancy company. So that has brought me up to now, and, uh, so, which is where I am at this point in time.
0: Wow, that was amazing. I think the way that you just took us from like, your education in Canada, having that first experience abroad, and then just whirlwind, of various, you know, decisions and, you know, uh, opportunities that came up for you. And, you know, it's just, I, I, and you mentioned how these things just kind of popped up, like the timing of it, right. But I'm undoubtedly, you know, you must have applied yourself so well uh in your studies and in your own networking, and just you know really seeking out these opportunities to kind of further your own growth and widen your perspective that much more because I think with you know each place that you live you know we we take from the culture around us and learn from those kind of peoples and you know from Canada then going to new york i mean new york is that's 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 the place right if you <laughs> want to see people from all you know parts of the world and so many different cultures, um, and so it just that looked like a very appropriate springboard for what would then come with you know the many years of service that you had um, in uh, you know diplomacy in the international field um, and yeah, so thank you so much uh, i I really enjoyed um, hearing hearing your story and I know that there's so much more of course uh, that we could go even deeper into um, but i I wanted to now like kind of you know shift our, our attention to well the title of this podcast right about global citizenship what does it mean to be a global citizen and um i i kind of wanted to start off by asking you like with your experience from you know moving from the bahamas and then going to canada i know that your your father was a, a, you know the one encouraging you but i'm curious to know like when you moved to canada did you have this perception of like global citizenship? Did you have some notion of like, what that would entail for you? Because it sounds like your father did, right, kind of opening up the doors for you know, the world, right through education. But for you in that moment, I can only imagine, like you said, you went there for high school, and then undergraduate, you must have been what 14 years old, when you I I was 12. You were twelve years old, okay. <laughs> so, yes,
1: yeah, so, <laughs>
0: earlier than I thought. Yeah, So, yeah. like, what was going through your mind at that point? I'm, I'm curious.
1: Well, you know, um, and I, I must say that um, nothing grandiose like, uh, global citizenship was going through my head. Believe me, uh, you know, it was, it was a matter of dealing with cold weather. Um, I, in many ways, uh, I was excited, Tom, um, to some extent, of course, because of the adventure the new adventure of it all but it was also um a sad time for me because uh you know i was being torn away from what i knew um and you know my family my friends and you know i was in a situation that was totally foreign to me um, fortunately uh i had my two older sisters were already there so that helped to um you know ease the um paying a little But um, it was also a painful time. But, uh, you know, children are adaptable. I got on with, uh, you know, what I uh, was there for, which was my education. And uh, while um, I did not have any, um, you know, idea of global citizenship at the time, I do think that, um, you know, having gotten that education, it most certainly did um, help to um, broaden my vistas uh, because, you know, I... After, you know, doing my undergraduate studies there, I then knew that I wanted to go to the United States to um, continue the, um, my studies. I, you know, I did not feel that I wanted to stay within the um, confines of Canada. So even then, you know, I was broadening my vista and my view of life. And, uh, you know, somewhere in there, I got the idea that I might even like to be a, um, an interpreter. And that was where the U.N. came in. I loved languages, and uh, I thought, hmm, that would be a nice thing to do. Uh, well, you know, I ended up um, doing a major in sociologies and, and not languages. So, uh, you know, that, uh, took, another, took, another, that took me in another direction. But uh, all in all, uh, I think um, my concept of global citizenship just grew as I did. And, uh, you know, as, as we go, I uh, think that initially, if you had asked me back then, what is a global citizen, I probably would have defined it more in terms of somebody who has traveled widely, you know, perhaps speaks a few languages, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, as in terms of having a um, you know, broad feel, feel for the uh, world around. Uh, however, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think that I, my perception of that and my um, grasp of it has um, changed somewhat. And uh, I am really, you know, a work in progress in that respect. Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, yes. but, I, you know, I, I find it fascinating the way you, you brought up, right, you left the Bahamas, you know, your home. Uh, at 12 and then you had to you know confront the the cold winters of of toronto and um you know very different culture and you said like you felt you know like there was a there was suffering there because you were being torn away from something that you you had grown to to love and that was familiar your family was there but i really think that like you know even without like articulating at the time what global citizenship was, I feel like you were living through it, right? Because there's something about this kind of like the, this dislocation, right? This kind of resisting that urge to be within the comfort zone. No, but knowing all the while that this is for a, a purpose, there's a purpose behind it. Your studies yeah. at that time is what kind of anchored you. And also, fortunately, you had you know, your older sisters to really mm-hmm. encourage you so that it was not complete just separation. Exactly. And i mean i didn't have the experience uh you know traveling abroad internationally uh at quite such a young age you know 12. um i actually my first experience uh was um actually after my first year of, of college uh-huh. so i was 19 years old and i really wanted to 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 get better at spanish i just started i did one year of language you know classes and and right. so I decided I'm gonna go to Buenos Aires, Argentina, and I'm just gonna become fluent. No big deal. Easy, right? I mean this is not how it normally works. <laughs> yeah. But I just remember like, you know, with the, the thrill of going abroad, I quickly realized, Oh my god, I feel so alone and I don't speak Spanish and yes. this culture is so different from, from what I've come to know to know. I remember I had like one of my low points, <laughs> maybe this was like a week or two in to the experience but i remember being in a, in a restaurant and i was like oh, i just i just want like a normal like hamburger or cheeseburger like is that so much to ask there's nothing around here <laughs> and so i went into this restaurant and i ordered i saw on the menu that they had an option for a hamburger so i was like oh okay great so i'm get that mm-hmm. yes exactly and then what 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 was brought to my table was not what was in my mind like the typical you know, cheeseburger with like bread and like lettuce, tomatoes, cheese, right. and the, the, the patty. It was just the piece of meat. It was just a slab of meat, uh, the patty itself. And I just like broke down crying myself. Like this is this is the last straw. This there's no hope for Argentina. I might as well just get my return flight back.
1: But did you learn like, Spanish? So
0: well, yes, but I I do think that you know it's 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 all this process that you were saying, and even right. now that was in twenty. 12. So even, you know, several years later, eight, nine years later, can I say that I am completely fluent? in sp- No, <laughs> it's, it's, it's something that you, you know, you're constantly having to engage and exercise like muscles. But I just think that like that initial dislocation and learning to, you know, become resilient in places that are unfamiliar. I mean, I feel like in many ways, your experience as well demonstrates that even without having to use some, some, you know, buzzword of global citizenship, right? Because <laughs> it served you well up until now, right?
1: <laughs> well, it absolutely has. And, you know, um, Scott, something I often reflect on, too, is um, how grateful I am. And I, I, I do say this to myself often. Um, for those who went before, who walked before me, those who walked beside me, those who walked behind me, and, of course, those on whose shoulders I stand, you know? And, you know, I can apply that, of course, um, not only to, in terms of what I just, the story I just told you in terms of my um, sisters, but all the experiences that I've had, you know. Uh, and uh, I, I always find it um, very refreshing to remember that because, you know, uh, the the paths that we all take, while some of them may seem difficult, um, you know, somebody's always been there, well, or has already been there, and uh, hopefully, um, you know, my being there will make it easier or less disconcerting, at least, for, um, you know, those that follow, and so I've kept that in mind, and that's, um, that was a big part of the mentoring um, exercise that I think I mentioned earlier as well, so it's always good to keep that in mind.
0: Well, I, and I think that's beautiful, uh, that kind of appreciation, recognition of those who, who support us along the way. And, uh, you know, what you shared about your involvement, your participation in forming this networking group mm-hmm. for, um, you know, hopeful uh, soon-to-be ambassadors. Yes. Um, I, I just find that to be so powerful um, because, you know, they, I think everyone needs that kind of role model. Um and that that feeling that it's possible, uh, and also you know when you encounter someone who's who's been there, who's who's had the the prestigious opportunities similar to, to what you shared, to also recognize that that person's still just a human being, and you can have an informal chat, and you know, to, to treat them any differently, you know, it's it's you, you're are you you know seeking to know the image of that prestige or the person itself, like the yes. person who's who's in front of you. And I think even that, that exercise of dialogue is something very powerful and something that, um, you know, just kind of connects us just as, as humans that I think is important. And yeah. it's the youth, right? Absolutely. Moving forward.
1: Yeah. And, you know, um, Ikeda sensei is very keen on dialogue. Um, and uh, so, uh I personally am as well because I I know that dialogue really is the foundation for so much change that um you know we talk about and that we need I'm uh, observing keenly these days on um, the ongoing talks at COP26 um in uh in Glasgow the um climate change um conference that's going on in Glasgow just now. And uh, it's um it's it's very interesting um because you know, it's such an important um juncture in our um, evolution as a as a world as a as the earth. And uh, that and um, Covid have taught us the climate change, um, and COVID have taught us so much about our interdependence and how crucial it is that we work together to solve these, um, address and solve these global issues. And uh, the ongoing um, discussions in Glasgow just now are really bringing up how important dialogue is. But of course, dialogue is only important to the extent that. It um, creates um, action or it, you know, base, um, lays the foundation for concrete action. And much of um, much of the um, discord and unhappiness that's taking place right now in that conference is because the um, participants, particularly the youth feel that there's too much talk and not enough action, you know? So it's, uh, while dialogue is important and it's formed the basis, uh, they feel now that it's time to move on with the action. So uh, I'm, you know, as I said, I've been um, very much engaged in watching as best I can um, through the media, but um, I think it's an important um, discussion that's going on. I think that it has brought to the fore Once again, like I said, our interdependence, um, you know, no country is going to, um, no country or individual is going to come out of this um, climate change um, issue unaffected. We all, now some of us are on the front lines or or further on the front lines than others, but, you know, it's um, as with COVID, we're not protected until everybody's protected. No one's protected until everybody's protected. So it's it's interesting how um, these things are evolving in our um, life as a global society right now. And I think it all comes back to the need for all of us to be global citizens, you know, to really um, take into account um, the effects of, you know, what we do on others, um, to be always aware that um, there is great diversity on this beautiful planet and, you know, it can be put to good use, I mean, it's something to be, you know, proud of to um, really use and unify us as opposed to um, tear us apart. And so I think all of that is coming out. I think that more and more of us are becoming global citizens. One, I, I would say that um, something that um, occurred to me as I was um, thinking about this whole topic, uh, the documentary film um, that Al Gore made, um, an unconventional, um, inconvenient truth. Uh, I think uh, you know that is probably one of the best films that shows the need for us all, the global citizens. You know, we all have to take care of this Earth of ours. And uh, you know, I well, I am a big film buff. Um, that actually is more of a documentary, though. And a you know film as such, so but it is um, one of my favorites in terms of showing how important it is that we all take on seriously our role and uh, to be global citizens.
0: What well, you, you said it so beautifully, thank you. And I I find you know with the, your your great interest in in these uh, climate change conferences in Glasgow and you know your attention specifically to how the youth are responding—it just brought to my mind how important it is for you know experienced, uh, you know, wise professionals like yourself to be paying attention. And I've heard from—I uh, think this was uh, Professor Kevin Clements. He visited SUA once. Uh, mm-hmm. and he is—he's uh, a quite a, a foremost researcher in uh, peace and conflict studies, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, and runs various institutes in that in that respect. Um, But he once said that, um, and I don't know if this is coming from him or he's just citing it from another person, but he said that attention is the purest form of generosity. And and that really struck me uh, in thinking, like, wow, you know, that's exactly what we need in this world, right? And not not just, like, attention to kind of, like, pander to the other, but genuinely to engage in dialogue and, like you said, to then have that be the backbone for action, right? What's to come from that? Um, and so, yeah, and, and I really liked your discussion as well, you know, again, kind of touching upon these various aspects of global citizenship that, you know, dialogue by itself is not enough, but it helps us to recognize our interconnectedness, even yes. with all of the negativity and, you know, seemingly uh, disastrous kind of uh, effects that are, are are kind of manifesting in the world, COVID, cli- climate change, and, uh, you know, the, the discussions uh, in the political realm and social realm when it comes to um, inequalities and discrimination. But all of these things then come to this point where what are you going to do, right? What yes. action will you do? And it doesn't have to be such an action where it's like, I'm gonna sign a bill and it's gonna change the world, right? And you know, as if you had that kind of power with a magic pen. Right. But I think it, it really comes down to these daily efforts that we have and some of those actions have profound ripple effects in our lives, and others maybe not so much. But I wanted to, you know, bring our attention again. I, I really was uh, very interested in, you, you know, your telling of like, kind of professionally from what led to to what. And yeah. you mentioned that when you found yourself in in New York, um, you decided to apply to the United Nations, and wow, to yeah. to your great to your great surprise you you were accepted and then were assigned uh, to, to to go and uh, you know be trained and to work in vienna um, and you mentioned that <laughs> the part of the reason why was because you're like i need a work visa that's right? yes. <laughs> just yes. kind of very practical right it, i totally get it I, I get it right as a some in the U, the u.s like you need to have some kind of visa if you're not citizen there and it can be very frustrating i can only imagine um, but i kind of wanted to ask you like so like from your 12 year old mentality, global citizenship, you were like, it wasn't so much about talking and addressing what that was. It was more of like, I'm just living that experience. And and then you you know continued through your studies and then that led you to New York. And now I want to ask you, okay, in that point of your life, did you have some notion of what global citizenship meant or how did it differ from your previous, you know, Let's experiences do do in all. Canada?
1: Yeah. Um, um. Well, yes, um, I would say that by then, I probably had some concept or would have defined it some way, but, uh, and I I probably would have even thought that I was relatively speaking a global citizen, you know, by sheer dint of the fact that um, uh, I had traveled, uh, you know, had been to several countries, Um, I was, studying, although I would never have called myself fluent. I was studying several languages, um, Spanish and French, and of course, um, English is my mother tongue. So, um, you know, I, by by virtue of those attributes, I probably would have described myself as a global citizen. I also aspired, as I uh, mentioned briefly, to um, become an interpreter at the UN, that was something that I thought I might do at something. So, uh, you know, yeah, I would say that, but my um, appreciation of the um, definition uh, or of the term um, global citizen, I would say has probably expanded even more, not not probably has, it has expanded even more over the years uh, from that point, you know? And uh it has to do of course with my my exposure, my experiences, uh, my own personal growth. Um and I you know, certainly would consider myself a pretty um full-blown global citizen now, in that you know, I I'm concerned about the entire world, the world and all aspects of humanity's of um, you know existence mm-hmm. here and uh Trying to, you know, make a make it a better place. Now, you know, I'm also tend to be very realistic, of course, um, and uh, I know that, um, you know, my mission and what I can do to help in that whole process, I need to be very um, focused about it, uh, and uh, you know, I I I do that. I am very, as you know. Uh, clearly very much into the whole international arena thing. And while, um, while it is only a small aspect of all that needs to be done, it is the aspect and it is the um, arena in which I'm working. And um, to the extent that I'm doing that, uh, I would always want to try to do the best that I can and uh, you know, help in whatever way I can from my little corner of the world.
0: Yeah, so I think that's wonderful. It's about contributions, right? I mean, yes. to the best of your abilities, to to all the events leading up your experiences, to this point, right, what you can, you know, offer, I think that's something that, you know, independent of whether you work in the United Nations, right, which has this kind of aura, right, of global citizenship. Uh, but, you know, you know, independent of, of of where you find yourself right we have these opportunities to affect the world around us without a doubt and i think you know we all do it but not necessarily have that that awareness to kind of you know really have add that double punch (laughs) to the actions that we do
1: right well when it comes down to it you know um the way you work and the context stuff really uh i don't think have much to do with um your contributions to global citizenship or to the um promotion of um, a harmonious world i think that we all do that or can do it in wherever we are and uh but of course you know how we do it may be defined to to a great extent uh how we make that contribution by um the environment and the situation we're in but we're all capable Every single individual is capable of contributing something. You know, that's my take on it. Definitely.
0: Yes. Yeah. No. I think it's. I think it's wonderful, and it's backed backed up by you know your many many years of contributing on the international arena, and then you know, independent of the 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 position itself, you know, in your like you operating within these organizations, it also has that very local level. Uh, uh, you know that nice. that that conversation, that dialogue that you have to encourage that one person in front of you. I mean, I think mm-hmm. we we need to also you know equally value our contributions, whether that be professionally, but then also on a very personal, local basis. And I think that that kind of helps complete this puzzle piece, <laughs> the the jigsaw puzzle, yes. if you will. Like what? What is that mission that we are like you know kind of adding to to see the bigger picture?
1: Right. Yes. And uh, you know uh, while we may not um, be focused on the um, bigger picture all the time, I think you know we're we're putting the building blocks in place with whatever we do in our own you know little way each time. And every every now and then we can step back, perhaps, and look at the bigger picture to see what else needs to be done and how we can best uh, contribute to the completion of the picture, as you call it.
0: Yes, it's a, it's and, an and, ongoing know, process. Right, and yeah, we're we're all a work in progress, uh, oh, yes. and uh, you know, it's just I think it's so interesting. You know, it's very deliberate in trying to like kind of put a pin. I guess in and and certain points of of your story um, to kind of show right that it your your evolution your development and uh, it, it's clear that like maybe at a younger age you thought one way thinking oh I guess you just speak a lot of languages and have traveled the world but then you know at putting the pin to your time in New York just before you you know accepted the job uh, at the UN again it was this notion of like well language is still important um but now you know there's this sense of like contributing on an international arena and the prospect of that i can only imagine in many ways affirmed what maybe you you previously believed and like what you had learned about this this new term that was uh probably you know becoming more in vogue i guess at that that time absolutely yeah and then now right i mean with many more years under your belt and you know recognizing like okay this this jigsaw or this puzzle before me, you know, is being filled in, you know, it's, it's still this kind of work of like daily contributions and uh, like looking around us to see, you know, how people are constantly taking their actions towards a more harmonious world, but also how we influence them. Um, I love this picture of the interconnectedness that, that we have, and how, you know, we're not so helpless as we might think. You know, we see the news, and it could be very disempowering. It's like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do about climate change? But I do think that we should value more of these things uh, on a on a daily basis, and and I think that helps us to kind of, you know, embrace this identity, right? That we are people with complex backgrounds and hence complex identities. So just to kind of base ourselves off of, like, you know, well, I am just an American, right? Or you know you can say for yourself that you are, uh, Bahamian. Bo- Bahamian, Bahamian, yes. No, so, not
1: Bahamian. Uh, you
0: know. Bahamian. Okay, I need I need to say that right. Bahamian. Yeah. Right. Um, you know it's it sells short of like just the vastness of who you are, but even the term global citizenship, I I also can tell you know some people, including myself for a while, had this this kind of reticence of like. I don't know, like, I, I don't know if I fully fit that description or I don't even really know what that description even means. Like, I don't want to feel like an imposter. Like, I mean, I'm still trying right. to just deal with my own personal stuff, like let alone like taking it to a global level. Is that something that you also felt like you struggled with at from time to time? Or are you just kind of like, yeah, just embrace the incomplete incompleteness of the human experience and just make contributions? Is that the kind of game, name of the game? <laughs>
1: Well you know Scott um, I come to this um, in the context of representing my country uh, in a larger context of other countries so what I find interesting is that even though I represent or have represented my country uh, Ultimately, it all came and comes down to an individual. Um, countries are made up of individuals. That's the uh, bottom line. And uh, so while I was representing my country, my interaction was always with individuals and uh, who were representing their countries as well, or you know, playing other roles. And so that was the level at which um, uh, conversation, dialogue, etc., was important. And uh, it was uh, where, you know, differences were made. Um, I mean, differences in terms of um, a positive outcome. It was at the level of the um, individual conversation where, you know, we could make positive strides forward, even though ultimately we were uh, representing our countries. But our countries, um, you know, of course, had um, given us the um, mandate to have these discussions on whatever whatever the topic may have been, uh, with a view to coming to some resolution or some common consensus on the particular issue. So, uh, but in the meantime, you know, the personal relationships that one develops in the process of negotiations, in the process of carrying out um, these duties, um, that's what really makes the difference. That is where, you know, that's where um, crunch time comes. And, uh, you know, the um, respect that we uh, show each other as we uh, have these discussions and these dialogues, uh, that is very important, and I think, uh, you know, we have, we tend to have some very formal um, ways of greeting each other when we're in discussions, that is, um, formally with our colleagues, and there's a reason for that, um, because one can only um, make progress if one speaks to other people and interacts with people um, in an aura of respect, you know, And so, you know, the uh, formalities that you may hear us in terms of addressing each other, you know, as the honorable this or the distinguished that, uh, um, you know, it's it's a trapping of respect that uh, I think sets a stage for um, a type of dialogue and um, exchange that will be fruitful as opposed to you know, if we spiral down into, you know, calling each other other types of things or addressing each other without respect, uh, because believe me, sometimes what one may be thinking about the other person is not necessarily how one addresses them. You know, you know, one may um, not necessarily feel that the um, interlocutor is um, distinguished, but that that's not. Relevant, right then. You know, the thing is, we're trying to make, you know, progress on this particular issue. So I'm showing you the utmost respect, and vice versa, so that we can move this matter forward. So I think, you know, it's always good to remember that, um, you know, uh, larger entities such as countries, communities are made up of individuals, and that's where um, the interaction happens, and that's why it's important. Um, for us to you know be careful and uh be cognizant of how we interact with each other
0: so, yes, yes thank you so much i i think yeah deeply rooting ourselves in from a, from a place of respect something that you know i think all people can learn from some of these uh protocols that like, that are set up within the united nations or within you know representatives from from countries um But, but yeah, I think that's like the fertile ground, right? Where, you know, um, kind of like genuine connections and, you know, the sense of camaraderie moving towards, uh, common goals. I think that, that kind of action is what we need, (laughs) uh, especially against such, such incredible obstacles or just manifestations of, you know, centuries of of abuse to to the world that we we inhabit i think now it's it's really the wake up call and um and you know in the same way that the the networking group that you had was you know served a purpose of like role models like right? good references in the same way i think you know it, what you, what you're sharing is something that we all can learn when it comes to how we engage with the other um and having this kind of like um, you know unwavering respect for the other to give the respect first you know you can't expect respect you cannot expect respect oh it's tongue twister um, if you don't give it first right and so I think that also speaks to the kind of uh, not just doing it for the sake of formality but the courage that it probably entails for you to really you know be in that position and to engage and to to seek you know um, you know uh, that kind of like assistance or help or, you know, that, that kind of partnership. Um, but yeah, but I think, again, that's yet another component of global citizenship that, you know, we've been talking about and it's just kind of, again, building this edifice, if you will, of like, what it means to be a global citizen. And also that it's not something as quite as simple as like, oh, yeah, you know, another language or you've been to a lot of countries. Yeah. I you know, we're well beyond that by now. But just to make that point clear, yes. so um, so I wanted to ask you, um, you know, to kind of start to wrap things up in, sure. in this wonderful conversation that we've been having. I've really been enjoying this um, is to ask you um, if you have any kind of like recommendations, maybe in terms of a specific book that you, you feel like is very relevant to this topic of global citizenship. Yeah. It could be a video. I mean, you did—you mentioned the documentary *An Inconvenient Truth*, and so there's there's a lot of weight behind that. Right. But if there's something else that comes to mind, you know, is is there anything that you would recommend for someone who is aspiring to to learn more about global citizenship, or to take those kind of actions as a global citizen?
1: That's a great
0: question.
1: Uh, my reaction, my initial reaction to that is that um, I don't. There is no, no, there is no one book that I would recommend in the first instance. Um, I think that um, there is no one book that can teach one to be a good global citizen, or I what I would recommend, um, and this is based on, you know, the idea that um, a global citizen is somebody who is engaged and, uh, you know, has an appreciation for other cultures other peoples and uh is sufficiently brave to explore and uh you know really see what the rest of the world has to offer so i would um my recommendation would be to read as widely as possible uh my uh now i know people have special interests in terms of what they read uh i have two i guess authors that, um i'm particularly attracted to um that, whose um, works i really enjoy and one is um chimamanda um
0: Ngozi i love chimamanda well. <laughs> yes
1: yes and um then the other one is arundhati roy um she is a um indian <coughs> author and uh, i just the magnitude of the cultures that they cover, the breadth of, you know, what they cover in their works, I think is just such a great education. Um, And I think anybody who aspires to be a global citizen and really understand different people and differences, um, and, you know, be more accepting would enjoy the works of these two authors, and uh, so I would I would recommend in the first um, instance that one read as widely as possible. But um, those are two um, women authors um, that I am really very attracted to for that very reason: the depth and breadth of you know the um, diversity of the characters and the stories that they tell. As they um, write, so yes. And what about oh, you? Thank do you, you have so any? Much. Yeah. Do you have any um, authors that you particularly? I'm sure you have authors that you like, but do you have any books that you <sighs> would uh, recommend for um, global citizenship um, aspirants? Yeah. This
0: is this is this is interesting. Normally, you know, I'm the one asking. You know, <laughs> the interlocutor. You know. You're in the hot seat, and I ask, and then this is the first time that you flip the question. And be like, all right, you tell you tell me one off. <laughs> um, so thank you. It's, but I, before I I mention, you know, uh, I, I respond to that. Um, you know, I just want to say yes, yes. You know, Shima Manda is an incredible writer, and I really, you know, from the the few writings uh, of hers, uh, books that I've read, um, there's this really incredible. Like, it's, she's very keen to like dial in on like. What's really happening within the culture and how people react to it—that that human experience—you can see that through a lot of her characters. She is originally from Nigeria, I believe, yes, and, she and she's had yes, and she's had this experience of studying and living in in yeah, the yeah. U.S. Yeah, and and I just find it fascinating because you know, um, it's 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 really hard, I think, for you know people in the U.S. to actually understand what's going on when you're in there. But you know these outsider perspectives and like pointing out, like, why do you do this? What's going on here? Why do you call, like, you know, like, why why are you treating this person the way you are, and right. for what reasons? I think you know it really is it reveals so much. Yeah, and, a book uh, Americana. Then, uh, um, you know, I haven't yeah. read that. Yeah, I I, I, that. that's on my book list. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, but I, I but I'm not so familiar with the second author. You said she's uh an Indian she, writer. Yeah, she's an
1: Indian um, Roy. Her last name is Roy. Arundhati Roy. And yes, she, okay. um uh, one of um her great works was um it's called uh The God of Small Things. And mm-hmm. uh it is um uh an intense look okay. at um the the uh, how societal values um, can really tear uh, apart relationships and uh, it's about two uh, a set of twins and their various you know their choices in terms of love and uh, their lifestyles and she uh, it's all centered on um, in India, uh, where she uh, is from, as a matter of fact, but it, it's really beautiful. It's really beautifully done, and I would wow. recommend it highly. The God of Small Things.
0: The God of Small Things. Yes. Again, on my reading list. If, okay. if you say that I should read it, then I will read it. And okay. those of you listening should also read it. Um, mm. But yeah, I, to answer your question, because I know you know we're we're coming up on time, um, but. Um, yeah, it's like you said, reading widely is so important. And I think for me, so much of like my approach to, to reading these days has been kind of like a book just kind of falling into my lap or being recommended. And then, you know, in this particular moment of my life, me trying to make sense of like, why am I reading this, you know, Mm -hmm. um, what, 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 what can I take away from it? Or what, what can I, you know, use as, you know, points of reflection? and so often i i I mean i guess my my somewhat sheepish and sheepish answer to your question is basically just to tell you what book am i reading right now and then how does it apply to global citizenship so there's a book that um i started reading quite some time ago at the beginning of the year um and it's it's a book by bell hooks and um i had always wanted to read more about her especially since you know um not only Does she have really strong writing uh, and lots to say when it comes to, um, you know, like race, critical theory, feminism, but also very much in education. And that's what I was interested in in terms of like, how can I apply a lot of these things, these theories or the creation of theories that are more liberating inside of my classroom, you know, because I've really found myself uh, drawn to the world of education and i don't really know where i'm going with all of this but i mean i best you know yes. learn from the masters yeah <laughs> um so uh, the book that I, I started then and now i'm you know continuing right now is uh teaching to transgress education as the practice of freedom and uh right. one of the and i'm re- and what's interesting is i'm actually reading it in portuguese since uh, it's books these kinds of books uh the to find in brazil uh, like an English the original edition, they're quite expensive. So mm-hmm. I, just, I found the book in Portuguese, and I was like, you know what? I need to to practice my 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 Portuguese anyway. So um, so yeah, I've been reading it. And uh, what I love uh, about it is kind of how open she is to um, having you know people really have their voice come come to the forefront, yes. to have them cr- feel empowered to create new theories and not to rely upon. Kind of what was done in the past right? and she really bases herself um um not entirely but she has a foundation in this great admir- admiration for the work of uh you know the uh you know educator paulo freire brazilian educator okay. and to see you know the way she writes about him and how it's influenced her own work it very much is akin to you know your networking groups and, right. and you know having a role model and how mm-hmm. important that is and then yes. you know th- just how that just again the, the the ripple effects of that just you know is are unknown how far they go and so you know I, I got this really you know human sense from her in through her writing of like how um, how transformational th- these pedagogies are and how they you know manifest within our own lived experiences and how through our actions and engaging with others you know we have to be very uh, aware of like the power that we possess and how you know we transmit that to others ultimately for their own kind of liberation um so i would recommend that book although i would have to say uh, reading it in the original in english would probably be much (laughs) better but yeah well
1: um, that's an interesting comment because uh, i was thinking as you said that that um you say you Still, wouldn't um, consider yourself fluent in Spanish, but you're clearly fluent in Portuguese.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm in Brazil, so you know. Yeah. When in Rome. <laughs>
1: yeah, that is that's Rome. that's quite commendable, quite
0: commendable. But well, the the, yeah. the Spanish really was that foundation, though, for me, and so I, I find myself right, very much immersed, uh, and and I've actually had roots, you know, being set down here, uh, where. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's been an interesting turn of events I would say since for so long in my undergraduate experience I was like I must become fluent like uh-huh. a native speaker in uh-huh. Spanish and then quickly yeah. I realized like what does it even mean to be fluent in a language and why should I compare myself to a native right. when you know it's everyone is in their own stage and we all have our own you know wonderful accents and ways of constructing sentences.
1: yes. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm very grateful for that foundation. But yeah, you know, Portuguese is a lovely language as well. And I right. you know, I'm really very thankful. happy to to practice it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thank you so much, Paulette. I know we've run a little bit more over time, but you know, it's just because we've had such a great conversation. Well, uh, I really appreciate, you know, you taking the time to be on the podcast. And, you know, it just it's been an absolute joy to have you here. And I, I wanted to know give you the last few words um just any any comments anything at all you'd like to share just briefly to kind of wrap up this this conversation
1: sure well first of all let me start by just thanking you for inviting me and um, having this opportunity to discuss what i consider to be um a very relevant um concept of uh, global citizenship and uh i think while many people um may not um think of it in those terms, I think that um, I find that more and more people are seeking that. They're seeking to become what uh, we have defined as global citizens. And, you know, that is a good thing. I see the world opening up. I see individuals are seeking to really learn more about others and to really uh, sincerely uh, understand and engage with more people, more different people uh, and more cultures so uh, i'm I'm very encouraged i I definitely feel we're as humanity as a you know group of people we're headed in the right direction, and uh, I'm going to do all I can to keep it moving in that direction. so thank you.
0: No, thank you and I'll, I'll do all I can to to continue in, in your legacy. And you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, everyone has everyone has to do their part, right? So thank you so much again, Paulette. It's been so wonderful thank to talk are. with you.
1: Great, thank you. Until here. the next
0: time. Okay. Once again, thank you so much, Paulette, for taking time to have this conversation about global citizenship. I really appreciate you sharing all of your really fantastic experiences and I found it to be so inspiring And as you mentioned at the very end, this this topic in your opinion is something that's becoming more relevant and there's this sense more people seeking answers to um, you know these really global issues that, that, are, that are happening to us and, and I think we're, we're on the right track by even having this conversation so this kind of you know chain reaction of one conversation after the other i hope this will inspire uh, those of you listening to strike up a question have a conversation uh with with a friend and see where it takes you because i think in these these conversations there's always so much to learn not only about the other but about ourselves and so um this this just about wraps up uh, our our one-year, I guess, anniversary uh, of uh, these these episodes relating to global citizenship. I do intend to continue, but I just, again, really wanted to express my deepest thanks to Paulette and also everyone who has um, participated within the podcast. Really deeply appreciate you and look forward to improving and having more conversations in the near future. Take care.